Green Mountain Chronicles was originally produced for radio by the Vermont Historical Society in the 1980s. We're re-releasing them today as retro podcasts. Please note that any resources the podcast recommends may be out of date. We recommend you check out our website, vermonthistory.org, for the most up-to-date information. Green Mountain Chronicles number 42, The Co-op Movement. When the farmer comes to town with his wagon broken down, oh, the farmer is the man who feeds them all. If you'll only look and see, I think you will agree that the farmer is the man who feeds them all. Oh, the farmer is the man, the farmer is the man. Here's a group of 77 farmers that had anywhere from three to maybe 25 cows. Each farmer put his two milk cans of cream every other day or every often he delivered his milk in the back of his buggy and took it to the creamery. And uh, all of a sudden, the guy who owns the creamery, which is a butter plant, said, well, I'm, I can't afford to operate this thing anymore, so I'm going to shut it down. So these were a group of very worried farmers. What are we going to do? 1919, and 77 farmers in Cabot, Vermont, contribute $5 per cow to buy a failing butter plant and form the Cabot Farmers Cooperative Creamery. The co-op movement has taken several forms in the United States, beginning shortly after the American Revolution. The Vermont Agricultural Society was founded in 1806 to keep farmers, mostly gentry, informed about changes in European agricultural practices. Later, protective unions provided insurance and pension plans and paved the way for the Vermont Dairymen's Association in 1869 and the Vermont State Grange in 1870. The first dairy co-op began marketing milk in Vermont in 1895. But it's the period beginning in 1919 that sees the greatest growth of the movement, with 30 dairy co-ops in existence in 1924. Robert Davis retired as manager of the Cabot Co-op in 1986. Well, it was quite a history of farmers doing for themselves. Each farmer had to cut so much cordwood to fire the furnace, the co-op. They had a water committee, which meant a group of farmers had to go up and clean out the springs, and they needed rebox and rebox the springs. And so it was a self-help program when it originally started. Elsewhere in Vermont, other co-ops were also forming though for somewhat different reasons, as Julianne Eastman, treasurer and executive vice president of Barry's Granite City Co-op and Percy Sheltra of the Milton Cooperative Dairy recall. One night at midnight, a group of uh, farmers went to the home of Dr. E.H. Bancroft and asked him if he would uh, run a new co-op for the creamery that they wanted to start in Barry. Now, Dr. Bancroft was a veterinarian. They felt that they were not getting a fair deal with the uh, company that they were shipping their milk to, and they felt that if they had their own co-op, they could make their own arrangements as to the selling prices and so on and so forth. Every farmer was in trouble. The farmer would separate by hand. Of course, 1919, the farmers didn't have electricity either. They had to do everything by hand, and they separated, and there was a market for the cream, but no market for the skim. So about every farmer had to either throw the skim away or feed it to hogs or growing cattle. So things got tight in 1918, I guess. So this bunch of farmers in Milton got together and formed this cooperative. And John McGraw was the instigator of that. A lot of the co-ops back in the 
twenties that were formed were because they were uh, at the mercy of the handler, whether it be one in Boston or New York or Chicago. Uh, handlers didn't want to pay a lot of money for milk. With the movement's growth in the 1920s, co-ops achieved dominance over proprietary dairies in the marketing of milk. Eventually, co-ops began consolidating, while some, including Granite City and Milton, simply closed down. In 1989, the Vermont Department of Agriculture lists six dairy co-ops operating in and through Vermont. One is the Cabot Co-op, which, though no longer simply a butter plant, still, according to Bob Davis, reflects its origins and its effect on its community. We're one of the few places that have a volunteer ambulance service, and we still got our volunteer fire company. Some of it's a carryover, I'm sure, from the co-op days when they had to do things. Thanks for listening. This podcast was remastered by me, Amanda Gustin, and released by the Vermont Historical Society. If you've enjoyed it, please subscribe to get future episodes and rate and review it. Please also check out our website, vermonthistory.org, where you can find background information on these episodes, as well as other ways you can learn about Vermont history from home. The Vermont Historical Society relies on support from generous donors to preserve and share Vermont's stories. During these uncertain times, your support is needed now more than ever. Please consider donating today at vermonthistory.org donate.